Have you ever had the experience where you've sought out help with your situation, whether that be a therapist, religious leader, life coach, or even doctor? And not only did you not walk away from that experience with the help that you needed, but you ended up being further confused, possibly misdiagnosed and re-traumatized. Today, my guests and I are going to deconstruct how gaslighting is almost always a part of these experiences and give you some tips on how to protect yourself moving forward. I'm Sarah Morales, the host of this podcast. And if you didn't already know, I'm very passionate about helping others truly understand gaslighting. This is the foundation for being able to opt out of gaslighting experiences. The best place to start with that is my free video series. I'm still working out a few of the little bugs this weekend, but it should be ready to go. So go to sarahmoralescoaching.com and click on the video series tab to access not only the, the free videos, but also the 29-page workbook that I've created to go along with it. The word of the day today is rationalization. Oxford Dictionary defines rationalization as the action of attempting to explain or justify behavior or an attitude with logical reasons, even if these are not appropriate. So in the case of gaslighting, rationalization is used similarly to minimization. That's why it's inappropriate, right? I'm going to unpack this more once we've heard the stories of the day in the deconstruction zone. So let's go ahead and find out who my guest of the day is. My guest today is Julia St. Ange. Julia received her bachelor's in nursing and practiced nursing in multiple specialties for 20 years. Now with her APSATS and CSASE certification, Julie heads up a team of eight coaches to facilitate disclosures, assist couples in the stabilization process, aid those struggling with addiction, and provide safety and stabilization for hurting partners. She's the founder of the New England Betrayal Trauma Conference and New England Coaching Services. Y'all, there is so much more I could say about Julie. She's badass. Um, so I encourage y'all to check out her information, the services that she provides, her specialties at newenglandcoachingservices.com or go ahead and follow her on Instagram. I know I enjoy her her content that she puts out, a lot of great videos, fun things. Um, and that is at New England Coaching Services. So I will have those links in the show notes for y'all. Welcome to the show, Julie. I'm so excited to broach this topic with you today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So um, before we kind of dive right into the topic of today, you know, I, I usually like to give my listeners a little bit of connection with the person that's bringing the topic, even it, when it's the helping professionals. So I'm wondering if, um, you know, you would be willing to to share a little bit of your story, a little bit about you, how you came to be this, you know, badass coach, nurse, person starting, you know, whole practices. I have eight coaches. Like when I read that, I was like, wow, I, I don't think I knew that about you. That's amazing. That's that you've done so much amazing work. And how did you, you know, kind of arrive at this place? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'll start and I'll make this quick because it, it'll sound like I'm going too far back. Uh -huh. But um, my parents had a betrayal trauma story. So I think okay. that has really shaped my heart for partners, but also those who are struggling with addiction mm -hmm. and related issues. I have been married for 23 years and um, been a nurse for 20. 
and okay. I like process and mm-hmm. I like trying to get to root causes so that mm-hmm. we can identify the best plan of care. Yeah. And in the middle of all that, being a partner, what I found in my own state was that we were like on the revolving door. Like if you're at a hotel, mm. it's going around and around. Mm-hmm. And we'd go to different helpers, different people. And it was like really bad. You know, my husband mm-hmm. has complex trauma. So being in the military, it was pretty severe at home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember one counselor asking us to do a counting exercise on our hands. I'm like, oh, you're not even scratching the surface here. And I think mm-hmm. the thing link was trauma, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. also uh, really taking into account other diagnoses mm-hmm. and, and really doing good assessing. Okay. So if I'm hearing you, it sounds like kind of your passion was to, to bring kind of the bits that were all out there kind of fragmented together neatly into a process that was easy for betrayed partners, right? Or people, you know, not everybody that listens to my podcast would consider themselves, you know, specifically a betrayal trauma survivor, Um, you know, it might be family of origin, or there might be other reasons that they've come to learn about gaslighting. But that also is something that creates this kind of trauma brain, right, where it's hard for us to be able to follow um, you know, the process like that when it's scattered, right? Like we're going into the wind and trying to pull all the different pieces. So it sounds like that's part of what you've been kind of forming, um, through the, the, the practice that you have built. Is that, am I catching that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And after nursing, I went back for coaching and then did absats training. And mm-hmm. then after that, I was like, wow, partners are really processing a lot of pain and people. Mm-hmm. I see all mm-hmm. kinds, you know, addiction, eating disorders, depression, okay. anxiety, and mm-hmm. just how we can get kind of stuck in that circular thinking and in those modes. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to do this. I know this isn't the right choice for me, but I find myself doing it. So mm-hmm. what's going on there? So that's when I got interested in brain spotting because it's okay. psychotherapy that goes deep into the emotional brain mm-hmm. kind of helps change behaviors a little bit and a lot, yeah. actually. I have really good okay. results in that too. So let's, I know that's not the topic of the day, but I'd love to take just a second um, because I make up that some of my listeners may have not even ever heard of brain spotting and what that what it is and how it helps and maybe even like I make up if I was one of my listeners, I'd be saying, how do I know if brain spotting is something that would help me or not? Right. Because as we know, not every, you know, therapeutic or coaching modality is the correct thing for every person. Right. So um, I'm throwing you a little bit of a curveball here by asking that question, but I'm, I'm wondering if you could speak to that for a moment. Yeah. So really quick, David Grand was the one who coined brain spotting. And he okay. took some concepts from somatic work and EMDR and combined them together. I'm okay. sensitization reprocessing. So uh, what you do is you tap, you help the person tap into the hurts that have been around for a long time or are fresh, but have altered their ability to function at their best. Okay. okay. So whatever you're stuck in, basically, mm-hmm. and I have people refer clients to me. And what I've seen has been staggering. I've been Mm -hmm. tracking their trauma levels. So Mm -hmm. I measure them at the beginning and then four sessions in and then eight sessions in. And I'm just finding that actually halves their trauma level. Okay. Wow. Four sessions. 
Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. The only ones that are the exception is if they have tons of childhood trauma, it's going to take longer because they're okay. older memories. But yeah. basically what David did was he noticed that where you look affects how you feel. Mm-hmm. And that, that the optic nerve is connected to the emotional brain and signals are sent kind of from the eye to the brain, to the body. And there's a pathway of remembering trauma. So if you look at a certain spot that you were looking at when the trauma Mm -hmm. happened, typically that will bring up the same exact reaction you had when it happened. Okay. But the problem is that'll keep happening to you. So for instance, you know, I had a severe car accident where I rolled over on the highway. Wow. My first brain spot was to process that because for 19 years, I would grip the steering wheel in terror on the highway. Wow. Wow. And I did one session. And I got on the highway the next day and I was like bebopping. <laughs> uh-huh. I was just really relaxed. Like my hands yeah. were loose on the wheel. Mm. And I didn't even realize how different that was for me mm. until about five minutes on the highway. Mm-hmm. And That's so awesome. I, I feel like I should be like in that hair club for men. Yeah. You know, <laughs> also That's a awesome. client. Uh-huh. So, but it just, it works. Uh-huh. And um, using Mm -hmm. that data has really helped because I say to people like, don't waste your time and money. Let's just Mm -hmm. make sure this is the right process for you. So far, I've only found about 5%. So Mm -hmm. for most people, it's highly effective. Um, And they did a couple public studies on that. You can look up. Yeah. All right. Last question on that. And then we'll move to the topic of the day. Is that something that can be done remotely? I know you yes. you're practicing as a coach, so you're not confined to state, but I'm not sure like all things are, you know, transferable, yes. you know, over zoom or whatever. So that's something that can be done remotely. Yes. All right, y'all, you, you heard it. Hit her up, <laughs> look her up, get, get, get you some uh, brain spotting and relieve some of your trauma. Yes. Um, okay. So let's, let's go on to the topic of the day then, shall we? Sure. Sound good? good? Okay. Um, so I know that you, when we first started kind of talking about this, you said that you wanted to kind of talk about how, man, for far too many people, I know I've had a slew of clients come to me having been misdiagnosed, especially with um, anxiety or bipolar are two of the, the most common for me misdiagnosis, misdiagnoses whatever it is that I have seen. But we've also, I know between you and I um, and people that we know have had a lot of people hurt by their first experiencing having been gone to a member of the clergy, yeah. right? Um, and, the, you know, because that's somebody we're supposed to be able to trust is, you know, our pastors or clergy people or whatever different, you know, religions that we have that listen. Um, and so we, I know you wanted to kind of talk about that. Um, and I believe if I, if I, understand correctly, you actually have a personal experience with that. Are you comfortable talking about that here today? Yeah. Uh, Awesome. So what happened for you? So my first discovery with my husband, we went to the pastor and he had encouraged my husband to kind of write down everything he knew and put it in his pocket, but never give it to me. You know, and when I found okay. that he had it, I was like, oh, what, what is this information? And there was this mm-hmm. whole other life that I really hadn't known about. But I thought it was mm-hmm. odd that the pastor really didn't encourage him to give it to me. Yeah. You would think like honesty would be a value that they would, you know, want. But I mm-hmm. think they're afraid and they don't know what they don't know. Yeah. And when they're not trained, they're just doing their best to put the pieces together. And I can appreciate that they care. 
mm-hmm. but it can cause damage when there's, you know, those moments that are crucial. I mm-hmm. call it with my clients, the, I hate to say it this way, but kind of like the oh shit window. Yeah. <laughs> when you get caught, mm-hmm. There's a window that opens and it only mm-hmm. stays open for so long. Mm-hmm. And so if you, as the helper miss that window, mm-hmm. that person may be in suffering for years to come. Yeah. And one of the biggest pieces that they missed in my story was the domestic violence piece. Mm-hmm. And there was mm-hmm. some really heavy signs and I would try to subtly share. Mm-hmm. So I told the pastor and he kind of laughed about it. Really? This was in a couple session. Wow. And then he said, you know, to my husband, well, tell me what was going on for you. But then he proceeded to make a lot of excuses for why we lose our tempers. Mm-hmm. And I just, I was like, oh, you know, that yeah. would have been a moment to do a safety assessment. Right. You, can use, <laughs> right. you know, think? power control wheel. You mm-hmm. can really go into, I've had quite a few clients where I, I ask every client, has anyone ever hurt anyone? Either mm-hmm. partner. Mm-hmm. And it has really surprised me. Some of the people I have one client who I've known for years, but mm-hmm. just happened to come to me as, as a client. I knew her in a friendship capacity, but when mm-hmm. I asked her, is there domestic violence? She said, no. And then I gave some examples like does mm-hmm. he your arm, you know, has mm-hmm. there ever been any pushing or blocking exits? And all three of mm-hmm. those were yes. So, you know, just missing those assessments, I, another pastor, I shared that, um, there was a tense situation at home where a door got knocked in. It's very Mm -hmm. scary for, for kids. Yeah. Pastors and adults. Yeah. (laughs) And the pastor said, well, if my son had talked like that, my wife would have tomahawked him. What? So he literally gave him to do it. Yeah. Free pass. Here you go, buddy. Here's Uh, a free pass. And, you know, people wow. wait sometimes years to reach out for help. Yeah. And then it's confusing, right? Because here you are barely finding enough strength and courage to advocate for yourself and put yourself, you know, basically at the mercy of this person who's supposed to have your best interest at heart and they gaslight you. I mean, that's what happened. That was gaslighting by the pastor. In both of those cases, right? There was minimization of the behavior that happened. There was rationalization. There was all, all different kinds of things. And I'll, I'll take care of that in the deconstruction zone. Um, but, you know, it, 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 you know, it really makes me think, um, you know, and, and again, this is something we can probably get into when we get into, you know, setting your alarm and setting your snooze kind of a thing. But it's one thing to go to pastors for spiritual advice or spiritual guidance or struggles in, you know, your relationship with your higher power or questions that you have or anything that is faith specific. And I think where it gets messy is when, you know, marital issues, especially marital issues that have to do with what would be considered also sin, Right. Which if we look at betrayal, it falls under the umbrella of sin in most, you know, common uh, religions. Right. So we look at it as a moral issue instead of a trauma related issue or a safety related issue. So we think, oh, well, I should go to my pastor about this. Mm-hmm. Right. So to me, that's probably one of the straightaway tips, because I think, like you said, I think that most helping professionals, whether it's a pastor, a therapist, life, again, any of those people, um, the majority of them 
they do this kind of a thing either because they don't recognize the situation is past their capacity, right? Like they're not qualified. They're absolutely 100% not qualified to speak to these situations, yeah. but they don't know it. They either don't know it or they, um, to be, you know, just call a spade a spade, they're not honoring the boundaries of their vocation, right? Like I know you and I, as coaches, we have boundaries. We're not allowed, quote unquote, allowed. We're not certified. We're not trained. um, We're not empowered to do things that therapists do, right? Some of the things we are like teach tools, psycho ed, like these kinds of things. There's a lot of amazing things that we as coaches do. It's actually why I chose not to become a therapist. Mm -hmm. However, (laughs) right? Like, um, you know, I honor, and I know you do too, the box, those boundaries that are within my purview as a life coach, right? So sometimes these helping professionals, they either don't recognize they're out of their thing or they're not honoring the boundaries of their, um, like I said, their occupation or whatever it is. And it's typically because they want so badly to help. Yeah, yeah. And instead of saying, you know, this is this is beyond me and I really want to help. Can I follow up with you tomorrow? Here's I'm going to do my due diligence. Like I'm going to get off off of this call and I'm going to tap everybody that I can to find the right resources for you. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, you're making a lot of good points. And what I've seen as a pattern with spiritual leaders is that when they don't know the answer, they over spiritualize. Mm. Oh, but I do geez. think with some pockets, Gag. there's a there's a shifting with some pockets. They're becoming a little more trauma informed. I recently heard someone say that their pastor gave himself a self containment boundary, where oh. he said, "If I if I see you for more than three times for this, I have to refer you out." Ooh, good. And mm-hmm. I was like, "Thank goodness, somebody's catching right? on here." You know, yep. and, and the main thing to, when you're looking at people, if you remember the word pies, P-I-E-S, mm-hmm. you want to look holistically, physically, mm-hmm. intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, psychosocially. So any of those pieces could be broken, mm-hmm. which could mm-hmm. cause dysfunction, almost like a symphony. If one part's off, you're mm-hmm. going to have things not sounding very good. Yeah. All right. Let's circle back around to that when we get to the snooze, because I loved that. I think that's something so practical. And let's let's tease that out a little bit. Let's circle back around to this story, though, because one of the things I love to do, there's so much power in stories and there's so much power in the kind of me, too, of like, yes, I experienced that, too. That's what it felt like to me. Right. So so thinking back to what it felt like when you were um, in this experience with these two different, it sounds like two different pastors or the same pastor but about a few different situations. Two different. Mm-hmm. Two different pastors. Okay. Um, when you were in these situations, you know, I'd love to connect some of the effects, right? So, so what kind of an impact did that have on you, right? Receiving mm-hmm. that kind of quote unquote counsel. I'm going to use that term loosely here. <laughs> yeah. I think I, you know, I remember being anxious going to the meetings and really gearing up but also mm-hmm. feeling like this is my only avenue to have a voice. Mm-hmm. So I better say it well. And I'm okay. an internal processor. So mm-hmm. by the time I've started saying something, I've thought it out a lot. Okay. Not just like verbally vomiting, you know? Mm-hmm. So to say it and have my heart pounding and wonder what will the ride home be like? Yeah. And then to have you know, just be blown off or 
the essential pieces are just utterly missed. Yeah. Felt hopeless. Yeah. I felt lost. Mm-hmm. And like, and with every kind of intervention or meeting, I think that feeling grew. Okay. And yeah. you hit your rock bottom. Mm-hmm. You hit that place where you're like, is this it? You know, do I just yeah. stay? Is that faithfulness? You know, sometimes mm. people put it that way. But yeah. I think it was a whole process of learning. For me, the beginning of working my way out of those situations was realizing my own worth. Okay. That was huge. You know, I had to build that up. I had to mm-hmm. become one of my own best friends. Yeah. I wasn't going to be able to enforce boundaries and get the help I needed. Yeah. Where in that process do you think you you were able to name for yourself that what you were experiencing was abusive? Much later. Much later. Way okay. Late. So you and even sometimes some of the stuff now I've mm. recognized. And I think that it's you are the frog in the pot. Yeah. That is why helpers are so crucial because we can't always see our blind spots. Right. Right. For sure. So so to hear you, if I'm hearing you correctly, you actually were able to work on the self-worth piece before you had the realization that you were experiencing abuse. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. Then, you know, with a lot of partners, as much as I do safety with anyone, mm-hmm. well, my clients, mm-hmm. no matter what their position, as much as I do a safety assessment, I think doing an assessment of their self-compassion level is really yeah. important. You know, yeah. testing that using uh, Kristen Neff's tool. Yeah. And just, good stuff. Mm-hmm. you know, seeing what those numbers are. Another thing I'll say to people is, what do you say to yourself when you make a mistake? Mm-hmm. And if they say, oh, you stupid idiot. I'm like, mm-hmm. great. I know where to start. Like, right. right. <laughs> not a great uh-huh. level. <laughs> yeah, not not so good. Um, yeah, it's interesting because in, in some of the work that I do with, you know, with the gaslighting and the kind of realization when people are finally able to name that this is a, a gaslighting experience. And, you know, I, I do this whole thing in my free video series where I talk about the difference between intent and impact, right? Someone doesn't have to have this evil malicious intent in order for the impact to be abusive, Right. So if we can get that concept that I don't have to call my person a monster in order to label that what I'm experiencing is abusive to me, the impact on me is abuse. Well, then I can say, okay, so I, that, yeah, I can actually name that as abuse. And then connecting the dot, that is a big dot for a lot of people that I work with, um, is kind of seeing that. And again, this, this is whether it's your intimate partner or even in this, this experience, the pastor, what he did was abusive. Yeah. Right. I would name that as abusive, right? So he wasn't intending to, but that's absolutely the impact that it had on you. And there's this connecting of dots where it's like, well, if I, if I can name that what somebody is doing is abusive, it kind of, for, for, for me, what I've seen with a lot of people, it gives people enough, something solid to stand on to say, well, at least I can say no to that. If I know that that's abusive, like maybe I don't have enough self-worth yet to say that I'm worthy of being loved well, because mm-hmm. a lot of us are so beat down that we, we can't confidently say that yet. Um, but we can say, but I know I'm not, I'm worthy of not being abused. I can say that. Right. So it's to me. So I find it interesting that 
you know, for me, you you did it backward, not backwards. Like, I mean, it's amazing that you did it that way because oftentimes we, I find people latching on to that. Well, that's my kind of stake in the ground, mm-hmm. right? And it sounds like your stake in the ground was more self-worth driven. And I love that. And that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, when you're trying to identify abuse, the things that helped me there were using the actual power control wheel and Mm, looking at 12 slices and counting them out. Mm -hmm. And it was so eye-opening for me to count out, I think 10 of 12. Wow. And I just, I was kind of shocked by it. Mm -hmm. And I think Another thing really helped me, and I can't remember where I read this article, but what really stood out to me was to stay away from the 100% rule. Yes. They don't abuse everyone all the time. Mm-hmm. They're not bad all the time. Mm-hmm. They're not consistently abusive. That right. doesn't mean it's not abuse. That's right. That's good. That's good. I love that. So, okay. So let's circle back around to your story. So you went and you finally advocated for yourself or however that happened with the pastors that didn't work out well for you. Um, these things that you you're talking about, these resources that I want to pull back around a little bit later, did you find them on your own or were you able to, to find, you know, competent help or, or how did you, how did you get from like point A to point B where you were getting good help and you were able to start learning the tools that, you know, helped you connect with your self-worth and helped you put up healthy boundaries and kind of shift some of those important things for you? I think that it's definitely been a journey. It's been Mm -hmm. a slow awakening. There's, I could name the resources if you want. I think some of them I found and some of them helpers helped me find. Okay. So I think that's the question I would, would want to know is when you tried, is it so hard? So you tried once with the pastor, didn't work out well. You tried twice and it didn't, it's really hard to keep trying to advocate because every time you try to say something and a new person minimizes and gaslights you around what you're experiencing, right? Like it's hard to not take that on, right? So how did you find that other help? Like, do you remember what, what led to that? So actually the first pastor I tried probably 10 times. Okay. The second pastor, I think I tried six. Okay. So you're talking 16. And then (sighs) I had a friend invite me to a support group. And it it was the wrong group for me. It wasn't Mm -hmm. kind of a codependency model and it didn't fit in the relationship I was in. Not that it's not a people issue, but um, it wasn't my issue within that space. Okay. So I kept looking. I had a friend invite me to another group and she was absats trained and also mm-hmm. trauma informed. And that was very helpful. And then from there, I just, we did a trauma intensive and okay. more trauma support. Mm-hmm. And I've just been collecting resources along the way to kind of expedite the process for other people. How can Mm -hmm. we cut that number in half of numbers Mm -hmm. of times you're visiting offices and getting the same results? Yeah. I remember one friend actually made a joke and I don't know that she knew it was hurtful because she has a great, Mm. great home life, but she said, Oh, you, you know, the pastor must have your number on speed dial. And you know, you, you, it's, it's hard to take. Yeah. You're just trying to fix it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and rightly so. 
right? Because it's, if we don't, to my point of what I was saying earlier, if once we recognize that what we have is not healthy and we don't do something about it, we can become complicit in our own abuse. Yeah. And, and most of us can't stomach that, right? Like in those of us that quote unquote can stomach it, it's mostly because we've gone into shutdown mode to survive. That's the only way we can stomach it, right? So for those of us who haven't shut down or are coming out of, which is probably most of us coming out of being shut down, right? Like kind of, we hit that rock bottom, like you could talk about, and it's like, I can't live shut down anymore. Yeah. Um, like I'm a, I'm a shadow of what I used to be. Like something has got to change, right? It, like people who haven't gone through it don't understand it. And, and it's, it's can be really hurtful. Um, to have a comment like that. I'm sorry, that friend was, you know, insensitive um, in that way. Well, um, let's go ahead and, you know, actually, before we take this into the deconstruction zone, I wanted to ask if there were any other kind of things you wanted to share either about your personal experience or some things that you've experienced being on the other side where you've had clients come to you and um, and shared similar type stories that you think would be helpful for my listeners to hear. Yeah, I'll say this, and this is a really hard one to swallow, but in thinking about a lot of my partners, I think once you've done an assessment and you're identifying any form of abuse, it is important to help that partner to first grapple with their readiness to deal with it and, yeah. and just measure that. Because if you're trying to push a plan that they're not ready to do, yeah. Um, it's going to increase their anxiety and yeah. they may even pull away from you as a helper Yeah, because they're not ready. So yeah. I think it's really important to measure their readiness, but when you mm-hmm. can see that they are ready, I think it's important to remember law enforcement is there to help. Mm-hmm. And you don't necessarily always, you don't have to go file anything, but I say to my clients, you can go talk to them. Yeah. Kind of make a yep. friend at the station, find a female yep. patrolman, find a female detective, make a friend. If you're not listened to, try again. And yeah. it doesn't mean you need it now. It's not being catastrophic, but but abuse escalates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good stuff. And so um just a flip that around a little bit for my listeners too, is if you have done any sort of assessment and you find yourself being resistant, be compassionate with yourself. It's okay. I remember the first time I named that I was a survivor of abuse and it was like, wait, no, that's my clients. That's not me. (laughs) Right. Like (laughs) it was a hard, it's a hard thing to acknowledge. Oh, it Um, is. It brings shame. Well, shame, grief. Yeah. Um, it, it just brings a whole, a whole lot of things. Fear because what, well, what does this mean for the future? Like it's a lot, mm-hmm. right? So g- be compassionate with yourself. And, you know, to Julie's point, there are lots of different things that you can do to, to seek out competent help. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's one of the words that we keep coming back to. Um, so let's go ahead and let's take this into the deconstruction zone. Okay. In today's deconstruction zone, I wanted to highlight how the helping professional in today's story, multiple pastors, ended up furthering the trauma that was being experienced by engaging in gaslighting behaviors. As Julie shared, the pastors rationalized away the harmful or abusive behaviors that she was experiencing and over-spiritualized the response to the abuse. In doing so, they minimized Julie's reality 
threw her values into conflict and basically created a diversion by placing the emphasis on spiritual principles that's that applied inappropriately aspect of things instead of addressing the abuse and giving Julie not only practical help, but permission, if you will, to advocate for her safety. They minimized the risk she and her children were in, and in doing so, changed, or attempted to change, the reality Julie was living in, day in and day out. Now, I want to make sure that I say here, um, as Julie and I have done a number of times throughout this episode, we actually don't think that these pastors were doing this on purpose. But this is also where I want to point out, and this is again something I go into my free video series, the difference between intent and impact. And honestly, the intent doesn't really matter here. We don't have to make excuses if we're on the receiving end of a helping professional who has either stepped outside of their box or doesn't realize they're out of you know their depth. We don't have to make excuses for helping professionals who do this. We don't have to make excuses and settle uh, for those who step outside of their training, experience, and expertise or area that they work in, their field, right? They need to do better. Let's see how we can turn this into setting our alarms today. So, Julie, you and I were just talking about how, um, you know, it's really important for us to be able to tell when or when or not getting adequate help, right? Like that's kind of one of the main themes of this episode today. Yes, we've been talking about domestic abuse a bit too, but that was kind of the underlying story of the main story, right? Which it can be really hard to fire a helping professional, right? Whether you're paying them or not, right? Like if it's clergy, it's probably free, who knows? Um, but, you know, to fire them means I don't want to work with this person anymore. That can be hard, right? Especially mm-hmm. if it's a pastor, especially it's somebody who, I mean, I've had people who've gone to like pretty well-known people in town or whatever, like they're one of the top CSATs in town and this is what I heard. And I'm like, and I'm sorry, that's what you heard, right? Like, how do we know? What are some of the things that we can do? So I know we we talked about a few um, tools already. Um, so I'd love for you to just take the main setting of the alarm today and I'll follow up with this news after. What tips and tools would you love to give to my listeners today? I would say do some assessing on yourself. You can go on Mind Diagnostic and do a, all kinds of assessments. So nice. that is a great tool I would also say, take a look at the power control wheel. There's 12 slices and you can just count how many you identify. Maybe do it with a friend if you feel like it makes Mm. you feel scared. I love that suggestion right there. Yes. And then as Mm -hmm. far as looking at yourself dynamically, you have parts, you know, your physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual, psychosocial. If somebody is hyper-focused on one part, they're going to miss things. It's kind of like going to a foot doctor for your heart. Yeah. Okay. Good analogy. If you can find a helper who has that dynamic view. Mm -hmm. And as far as measuring your help, I would say, write down changes you've noticed in your Mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. And if after a fair period of time and science says 90 days, even if you can't identify any change, you may want to think about either adding a helper on or changing. And sometimes it's adding. Sometimes you may give it another month. It's up to you. 
if if that person jives with you and there's a good personality fit, sometimes there's still benefit to that. Mm-hmm. So it just depends on if you can measure any anything that's changed. And you can even say to that helper, I'm feeling a little stuck. I can't identify if this is a good fit for me. Can we just mm. do an evaluation? Yep. You know, we talk about, you know, your goals, these were your goals and they're not changing. Yep. I love it. That's such good practical help. So good. Thank you for that. Okay. And for your snooze button today, I really just wanted to add one thing to the amazing tips that Julie already gave. And that is when it comes to helping professionals, don't settle. You deserve to be heard, validated, and supported. You deserve to have a helper that sees you, that listens to you, and helps you not only survive what you're going through, but be able to believe in yourself and begin to thrive again. So don't settle. Find yourself helping professionals that you click with, whose energy you like, who are are going to have similar kind of values and help you heal and thrive again, like I said. That's it for setting our alarm and our snooze button today. As I wrap up today, I wanted to let you know that my OBM, shout out to Claire at Wing the Services, is working out the final things on my website. So I'm just days away from having my new uh, three, to be specific, new ways to go through my signature program. That's my 12-week empowerment course. So they're about about ready to go, y'all, on my website. So I'm also working on getting an app for you to make it as easy as possible. Um, So I encourage you to go check it out. Get yourselves ready. Go look at it. Go look at what's in the course. I lay it out week by week, the different topics that I cover. Um, And that's on sarahmoralescoaching.com. And also follow me on your preferred social media platform because I'm about ready to start Uh, hitting the ground running and releasing some great content. I'll be on Facebook and Instagram and as Sarah Morales Coaching. And I'm on TikTok as Sassy Sarah Deconstructs. So these are all places that you can engage with me and the work that I'm doing. And I'll have the link in the show notes for y'all. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Julie. Thanks for having me. It's been, it's been amazing. Thank you so much. And finally, thank you, my listener, for listening to today's episode. If you found it helpful and want to help me get it in the hands of more people who could benefit from it, please leave a review and sub- subscribe. Additionally, if you can think of one person in specific who could benefit, please share it with them. And remember, it's not about becoming who you want to be. It's about awakening all that you already are. Take it away, Wendy. We got stars in the eye.